When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on The College Draft Podcast, presented today by FantasyPoints.com. Use the code FEAST, all caps, so you get that beastly discount and you get a chance to go against Joe Dolan and myself in one of the next two best ball drafts. I had pick number one in this best ball draft, in the May best ball draft, took Christian McCaffrey. But, of course, I don't know about my next two picks. I took Kenny Galladay. I'm picturing Stafford all year with him. And I took George Kittle because I love Kittles and Bits. Anyway, I cannot wait to go against some of you in the next one of the next two best ball drafts. So make sure you go to fantasypoints.com, use the code FEAST, and then email it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and say, Ross, I'm going to destroy you and your whole family in the next best ball draft. That might be a little harsh, but we can do that. As for this show, it's the College Draft Podcast. I love it because we have Matt Waldman and nobody else does. Matt Waldman is a guy that makes his entire living from the rookie scouting portfolio, which is over 1,200 pages of the most in-depth scouting guide that's ever been written up. Matt Waldman on Twitter, at Matt Waldman. You can also check out MattWaldmanRSP.com to get that beastly rookie scouting portfolio very fantasy-specific at times for those of you that are into fantasy, like I just mentioned. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Uh, love posting on social media. I posted a video picking up the Blitz package by my daughters this weekend. Check that out on Twitter and Instagram. I don't think I figured out how to put that on Facebook yet, but at Ross Tucker NFL, Facebook. Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. By the way, intern Casey doing great things with our podcast social media handle at Ross Tucker Pod. We changed that, thought it was a better name at Ross Tucker Pod. Hoping to get the Twitter account over 10,000. Please follow. She's doing a lot of cool new things with our Twitter handle with our Instagram. So if you weren't following before, you should absolutely give that a shot as well. Speaking of giving it a shot today, Albert Breer, such good information talking about the rule changes that happened and didn't happen. Really encourage you to check out the Ross Tucker football podcast. Matt and I, Matt, we're diving into the AFC South today. That means the Texans, the Jags, the Colts, the Titans. Before we do, though, kind of a big announcement. It's kind of a big deal. I am thrilled to announce 
that RT Media has a new partnership with DraftKings. You may know them as the leader in daily fantasy sports, and they are, but what you might not know, they have launched America's top-rated sportsbook app. So you Colts fans listening in Indiana, make sure you get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, Matt, we'll start with the Houston Texans. And they didn't have a first-round pick. Surprise, surprise. But I like their second-round pick, Ross Blacklock from TCU. Yeah, he's he's a nice prospect. Certainly very athletic, um, kind of a penetrating defensive lineman who just has to be a little more disciplined, maybe get a little bit stronger. But he's someone that's going to be able to contribute right away and probably get better as he goes and, and develop into a nice starter who can be a disruptive presence on the um, defensive line for the Texans. Then you get to outside linebacker. I remember you talking about this guy, Matt, in the lead up to the draft, Jonathan Greenard from Florida, man, it seems like Florida has like eight defensive guys drafted every year. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's interesting how the SEC is and or certain teams are that they're just there's certain units that, that are just very good. You know, for a while it was like North Carolina State was a team for many years that you would just see guys drafted from the defensive line, uh, you know, year in and year out who were who really decent prospects. And this is a solid run defender from Florida who who just needs to work on his hand usage. Um, I think as well as his get off as an edge rusher, but he's a type of guy that's going to be, you know, a nice edge um, prospect for them that I think in a couple of years, I'll hope that he has figured out some of the techniques that he needs to develop um, to be a presence on, you know, in the starting lineup. Then in the fourth round, they went with an offensive line. They had two fourth round picks. Um, Charlie Heck, who is the son of Andy Heck, the offensive line coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, and John Reed, a corner from Penn State that I actually, I called his high school games a couple times when he was in the state championship. Um, I think he projects to be more of a slot guy, but I'll let, I'll let you talk about that, Matt. Uh, what do you have on Charlie Heck and John Reed? Yeah, and, you know, I think – didn't Andy Heck also play in the league for a little bit? As oh, well yeah, as like 12 years. About that. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah like so, 12 years, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a second-generation guy who, you know, he has good length, he's mobile, um, he's going to have to develop his footwork a little bit better as well as his leverage. He's 
He's a six, eight guy. So, you know, being able to bend well enough and, and really get under and, and deliver some force to his punches. Um, you know, he punches well when he lands it, um, you know, and I, and I think that he's a guy that's going to be, you know, in the right, working in the right direction to be able to uh, develop his game, you know, but the fact that he has that length, he has that size, um, the footwork is something that is developable. Um, you know, and with Reed, I mean, listen, I think this guy's a little bit of a sleeper. He's quick and fluid, flips his hips really well. He stays with the wide receiver and man to man. He, you know, he is smaller, doesn't have a lot of great length to him. And he had a knee injury in 2017, so it cost him the season. Um, but, you know, smart guy, great footwork. And if he can stay healthy, you know, he does tackle well and plays well to his size. I think the concern is, is that he can he hold up. But like you said, you know, probably going to be used in the nickel, used in the zone. He could have a nice career as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, I <clears throat> I, I think uh, he's very bright, and everything I've heard about him, extremely professional, conscientious, all those things. You know, the things that a lot of times lead to a guy being a good pro. Then you've got Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island in the fifth round. Yeah, he's one of the two Rhode Island receivers who wound up on NFL teams to begin, you know, the, the spring and summer with Aaron Parker going to the Cowboys, I believe. Um, Isaiah Coulter is a guy who, you know, very quick off the line. He has pretty good footwork. Um, you know, someone that you could probably use as a reserve in the slot in multiple receiver sets um, where he's, you know, either the in the slot as a third receiver or maybe inside as the fourth guy. Um, he, he's someone that can go up and win the ball. Very good first step after the catch can make the – the first and sometimes second man miss needs to add a little bit more weight to his frame. He's one of these guys that his lower body is well developed. The upper body needs a little bit more work to be a little sturdier, a little stronger, maybe a little more explosive as well. Um, and develop some of the routes that, that are more timing routes on the outside. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, is going to have a fighting shot to stick to the roster, maybe able to help a little bit out on special teams. If he can do that, Maybe he'll have an active spot this year. Speaking of wide receivers, Matt, let's get to the Indianapolis Colts. Their first pick was in the second round. Remember, they traded their first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. That's a pretty good first-round pick, by the way. Their second-round pick was – their first second-round pick was Michael Pittman, the wide receiver from USC. Yeah, and, you know, you look at Philip Rivers coming here and, you know, he worked with Frank Reich, you know, in San Diego and Los Angeles with the Chargers when um, Reich was a quarterback coach. And when he Rivers lands with this team, you can see how a lot of the players they have are stylistically already kind of like Chargers Midwest. When you think of the idea of, you know, Paris Campbell kind of has a Keenan Allen kind of style to his you know, his build and game as he's trying to develop. They've got a couple of, of good tight ends, um, you know, who can who can play in zones and also be matchups man-to-man. Um, and then you consider T.Y. Hilton, who, you know, they may use him more in that Keenan Allen role right now because he's the most experienced and best receiver they have. 
but he's also kind of like a supercharged Travis Benjamin. Um, so when you, and with a great offensive line, they need a guy that, you know, we've seen Rivers lean on a, a lot as the style of player that we've seen from Vincent Jackson to Michael William, Mike Williams to Kasim Osgood, big guys who can work up the rails and over the middle and win the ball in the air where it doesn't have to be pinpoint accurate, but you can be thrown with a little bit of anticipation when he's in trouble a little bit um, and can make those plays against, you know, tight man coverage and just use their size to their advantage. And, and Pittman is that type of guy who can do that in the intermediate and vertical game. Their next second round pick, another skill guy, and your position, number one position of expertise, running back, Jonathan Taylor, a guy we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Yeah, I mean, best pure runner, I think, in this in this class. And you put him in a gap scheme where, where, you know, he did pretty well with a lot of gap runs in Wisconsin, and you put him in that kind of scheme with one of the better offensive lines in the league, you're going to see the difference between uh, a you know, a top end instinctive runner and a guy who gets yards that are um, designed for him. When you look at the contrast between Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, once Jonathan Taylor gets adjusted, because, you know, Marlon Mack is a nice starter um, who learned a good bit about how to set up runs um, when he was working with Frank Gore. But um, Jonathan Taylor is a guy that not only can he, get into the secondary and do damage through a wide open crease like Marlon Mack, but he's going to, he's going to show what it looks like to actually create when the line occasionally has busted assignments, what it looks like to have power and to be able to push a pile. Um, And the biggest flaws in his game are that his pass protection has been pretty awful at times at, at Wisconsin, where it just looks like he, either the familiarity of what he thinks that he's supposed to be familiar with. He hasn't been, or maybe, you know, the effort hasn't always been the highest. So you want to see, you know, him show that now as a pro and his ball security, his track record of that has been has been pretty bad as well. If he can shore up those two things, he should be fine. I mean, you know, I don't want to compare him to Adrian Peterson because, you know, Adrian Peterson's a great player. Um, but Adrian Peterson came to the league with 20 fumbles his first year and had to shore up ball security. It's it's a, an improvable those two areas are improvable aspects. What you can teach as a runner, he has. And by the end of the year, I think he's going to be the main guy in that backfield. Their next two picks, third round, Julian Blackman, the safety from Utah, and fourth round, Jacob Eason, the flamethrower quarterback from the University of Washington. Yeah, I mean, you know, Blackman, he's a he's a guy who's played safety and corner a little bit. He, you know, he tackles well to his length. He has really good hand strength and technique um, when it comes to tackling and he attacks the ball. Well, um, he doesn't take great angles and coverage though. And that's an area that he seems to have trouble with. And that may be problematic because that's more of a thing that if you're having difficulty taking angles at this level, that may always become a, may always be a little bit of a problem. Um, he is physical. He's a high effort guy. Um, and I think he has developmental potential to become a three down player um, who could play a little nickel corner if they need him. And then with Eason, I mean, he's in a nice situation here because, you know, this offense is, is a shotgun oriented offense where, um, but they can really modify this to use 
Eason's work under center on, you know, five and seven step drops with this run game. If, if Eason in two to three years is ready to roll and, and Phillip rivers can be like good enough that he gets maybe a second year out of, you know, he's on a one year deal right now. Eason may have a chance to learn under rivers, get a chance to really work and develop his game and read the field a little bit better. He's more inexperienced than he is a guy who diagnoses things wrong perpetually. He's a guy that is more, you know, the, the things that he needs to learn come with on-field experience that he didn't necessarily get because he got beat out by Jake Fromm at Georgia and then wound up having to sit out, you know, trans, sit out a year and transfer. Um, and so at Washington, you know, you've, you thought he would have stayed an extra year. But when you think about what he does in terms of rolling out, hanging in the pocket and taking um, hits and being able to throw the ball as well as he does, you know, there's a lot of flashes of, of good decision-making to his game that just, I think the, the, the time in a, in a system with veterans and with a good line could really give him a nice start to his career if he can come in and they keep this line together and this run game together and the guys like Pittman and the, and the tight ends that they have are still on the field when he arrives. A couple of big boys, the next two picks, Danny Pinner, a guard from Ball State, and Robert Windsor, a D-tackle from Penn State. I've watched him a lot. He seems to me like he'd be a really nice kind of a third or fourth D-tackle, pretty good against the run, uh, tremendous effort and energy. I don't picture him being like a dominant player, but I wouldn't be shocked if he turned into like a starting shade, starting nose in the NFL. Yeah, we've talked about him a good bit here on this show in the past, and he is. He's a guy that, you know, he times his hands well to the quarterback's release um, and pretty good at being able to alter, you know, the throw in in terms of either making contact with the with the quarterback and being able to make contact with a ball. He has a decent first step to earn penetration. You know, he can get some cleanup sacks for you and, so, and at least apply some pressure. Um, and he has good hand position on defenders. He can lock out and push and use his hands um, a little more independently and, and follow up with a second move. And, and he's a guy that will get a push for you, and he's, and he's fairly quick. So with that motor, that's very helpful. Um, you look at Pinter, this is a, a small school guy, local product, Ball State, who moves fluidly. You know, he reaches the second level pretty well. Um, he was converted from tight end. So when you look at him, you can see that, you know, his lower body techniques, you know, footwork, how he bends, how he uses his hips, they they need to be a little better. He needs to clean that up and, and refine that more. But if he can, that's going to really help him in pass protection. Um, and right now we know that the run game is, is, is his strength and as it usually is for a young, you know, tackle or guard. Um, but he's a guy that, you can see why there's a track for him to develop into a contributor. Last three guys, uh, Isaiah Rogers, a corner from UMass in the sixth round, Desmond Patton, a wide receiver from Washington state in the sixth round and their final sixth round pick Jordan Glasgow, uh, inside linebacker from Michigan and about like the 10th Glasgow in like the last three years for Michigan. Right. And, you know, Glasgow's a special teams guy. He has some safety and linebacker versatility because he's about six feet, 220. He will play linebacker, though, and, and, and really earn his, his keep on special teams to begin with. 
Patman is a guy who's come on at Washington State in the past year. It's like the light kind of has come on for him in terms of development, and he's made some strides. Um, He's an above-the-rim kind of guy, developmental um, player that, again, fits what the Chargers used to do that you'll also see the the Colts try and do, which is, you know, win the ball in that intermediate to deep range on the perimeter. He can do that using his hands correctly to catch the ball, um, being in the right place at the right time. Those are things that you see on tape where he has some issues and why he's a late round pick. Um, but they're hoping with his athletic ability um, and kind of the, the trajectory that he's taken late in his game, that maybe he's, he's figured it out enough to really make strides. So that's what I think the bet's on there. And then Isaiah Rogers is, you know, guy with four, two, eight speed at five ten, one seventy. You know, he's a promising return specialist, um, really quick feet. He has the hips to, to really turn with man to man, um, you know, but he loses in tight coverage at the catch point. He does have ball skills to win the ball in the air, um, you know, when he goes to attack it, but he can get out bodied and out positioned. Um, so you want to see him kind of figure out ways to work on that as being a smaller player who has to deal with bigger, stronger guys. Let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We already talked about their two first-round picks. They got C.J. Henderson, the corner from Florida, Clavon Chasen, the edge rusher from LSU. Now you get to the second round where they took wide receiver LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, another guy that seems like we talked about quite a bit. Yeah, and, you know, he's a guy that's a little polarizing, what at least from analysts in the community, because you you worry about the the number of surgeries that he had last year, and that he and one of them was literally after the combine when he ran a four five eight forty with a um, with basically a sports hernia, um, which is you know fairly impressive in that regard. But he's a guy who can go up and win the ball. He's he's smooth in and out of you know speed breaks, and he shows some capacity to make some of those hard breaks on timing routes that you're going to often see. Great balance after the catch, great balance after contact, um, both, you know, in the in the box, in the short area of the field, as well as in the open field. And he's a guy that, you know, the Jaguars plan to use as a on the wing, in the slot, outside, in the backfield. The the big question really is, will the will the offensive staff try to will they have enough imagination, but at the same time, develop help him develop in in one position really well you know i think he projects well as a flanker um but are they going to use him as a gadget to the extent that they don't do it imaginatively enough and opposing defenses are like we we know what's coming by week four week five and they they don't really do much more with him and his plays get stuffed and they go away from it or are they going to be able to find imaginative ways to use him and continue to evolve that part with the position and that Chenault's assignment sound and, and quick enough on the draw to, to make those things happen and keep evolving as the, as the season evolves. And then also continue to learn his game um, that he needs to learn to be a full-time outside receiver. And I think that, I think he can, but there are some times that when teams go gadget like that early on, that these guys um, kind of fizzle out quick. Jags had a lot of picks, Matt, all their trades recently. Next three, third round, a couple of fourth rounders, Devon Hamilton, or Davon Hamilton, the D tackle from Ohio State, Ben Bartz, the offensive tackle from St. John's, Minnesota. 
and Josiah Scott, the corner from Michigan State. Yeah, Devon Hamilton's like a 4-3 defensive tackle who could probably develop into a starter because he has quickness and penetration skills. I think he sets the edge quickly and he's strong to maintain it. I mean, he can play a little too fast and that gets him out of control at times. So he has to learn to vary his footwork and his approach as a pass rusher and his hands are going to need work to develop counters, but there's potential there. And Barch is a guy that's been very popular in the draft community because he's, as a small school guy, he really impressed at the senior bowl at that higher level. And, and so he turned heads there. He has a great punch, good grip strength. He, he's a really high effort guy with good pad level and hand placement. Um, he's a former tight end. So like the ball state kid brought out of with the Colts, you know, Barch is someone that's going to improve his footwork and he's going to need to reach, learn to, you know, he may need that second team to reach his full potential, depending on what goes on with that Jaguars depth chart. And then with Scott, this is a former starter at Michigan state. Um, you know, he played a lot in the nickel, um, he is a shorter arm guy, but he has that skill to flip his hips and stick with the man coverage and he has recovery speed and he's strong for his size. Um, you know, he had a knee injury earlier in his career, but playing in the slot is something that he should do a good job of. And with the Jaguars trying to revamp their cornerback, um, you know, depth chart, you know, he's going to figure as a guy that they hope to see develop. Next three, you had Shaq Quarterman, the linebacker from Miami, Daniel Thomas, safety, Auburn, Colin Johnson, the big receiver from the University of Texas. Yeah, Quarterman, Quarterman's a guy who might, you know, get an opportunity to be a contributor this year or maybe in two, year two, year three, could develop into a starter. He's kind of a heat-seeking missile who can cover a lot of ground at linebacker. I think he sees the field well, but he can over-pursue and lose some gap discipline. Um, his acceleration makes him an excellent green dog blitzer, and he's disruptive on design rollouts. And he covers ground quick enough from his initial drop that he can still manage to force quarterbacks to get rid of the ball early. Um, you know, and he's a guy that drops well in coverage. So it's just a matter of him being a little more disciplined. Daniel Thomas, he's a safety with run defending ability in the alleys, um, and he can work up well off of blocks. He doesn't play coverage through the attack to the ground. Um, you know, so he's got to work on that. His angles can be lacking and he's got a, you know, he's kind of, um, a guy that offers mismatch opportunities to tight ends because he doesn't have great size. Um, but he fits as a too high safety and he handles deep shots. Well, so I think he has a shot to contribute And college Johnson, you know, was considered a top prospect a couple of years ago, big, tall, strong receiver who can get downfield better than a lot of people would look at based on just his time speed alone. He can go up and stretch for the ball, um, work over the middle. Um, I think this is a guy that will develop into a contributor at the very least for a team. He's on a kind of crowded um, Jaguars depth chart. They're kind of an underrated receiving group. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he makes the active roster. I think he will, but he's a guy that might be able to replace Chris Conley soon enough. Last three, Jake Lutzen, the quarterback from Oregon State, Tyler Davis, a tight end from Georgia Tech, and Chris Claybrooks, who is a corner from Memphis. Yeah, Luton's a big guy with a big arm, and he can, you know, he has some good skill with the deep game. Um, but the thing is, is that he has to manipulate the field better with his eyes. He's someone that just doesn't, you know, if it's a clear cut, he's going to make the play. But if it's not as clear cut, he just doesn't see it as well as he should. He, he has to curb his, his tendency to just check down very fast he's so what 
happens, I think, is that he just doesn't see the field well enough. And when he when that happens, he looks for that check down. So he's got to develop his game a little bit more. And seeing the field is going to be a big deal of that. And we'll see how easy he can do that because that's a tough thing to do at this stage. Tyler Davis, you know, wins the ball well, tracks well over his shoulder up the seam. And in the red zone, he's a he has good speed for a tight end here out of Georgia Tech and then originally out of Connecticut. And he attacks the ball well with his hands, and he takes contact. He, he might develop into a nice move tight end in a couple of years as the second guy or the third guy. And if and because of his athletic ability, might have an outside shot to become a, a starter. And Clay Brooks, you know, he's a he's a um, a cornerback who you know dealt with injury last year. He's 175 to 180 pounds, four three six speed. He's going to figure as a guy who competes into the return game or as a special teamer um, who they hope that can develop a little bit, become a little bit more physical, a little better against tight man coverage. If he can do that, um, maybe he'll have a chance to contribute. Up next, it is the Tennessee Titans. Last but not least, we know about their first round offensive tackle, Isaiah Wilson, second round. It took kind of a polarizing player in LSU corner, Christian Fulton. Yeah, I think that teams look, you know, we look at cornerbacks and it's always kind of what have you done for me lately type of position. And and if you're a guy that had really strong, you know, career early on and then kind of tapered off or faced top competition and got beaten, you start their stock team seems to go down in the NFL. But this is a guy with smooth, fluid, quick transition of his hips. He he jams in a timely way. He has, he has excellent coverage as an off-coverage guy. Um, you know, there's some little things to clean up, you know, in terms of his open field tackling. But, again, you're looking for guys who can cover more than tackle. At this level, tackling is probably a bonus, unfortunately, but that's kind of how people look at it. But he has a good feel for where the ball is. Um, and, and I think that this is an experienced guy with good technique who who's going to be able to – come in and contribute and play well. And, and, and he's a guy that's been tested. Some people look at it as that he's been burned, but I would say he's been tested. And as long as he has that confidence and maintains it in the NFL, I think he's going to be fine. Next two picks in the third round, Darrington Evans, the running back from App State. And the fifth round, another NC State D lineman, Lorel Murchison, the D tackle. Yeah, Evans is a really fast player. Great straight line speed, someone who can catch the ball, get him in the open field, and he's very exciting. And he's a, um, you know, he's going to be a special teams guy and probably vie for that second role behind Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Though I, I kind of wonder if Tennessee is the place where scat backs go to die because it's like you, you just don't see um, them really have much of a role there. But he's going to have to work on his his skill after contact to extend and get maximum yardage. He doesn't seem to have a feel for how to do that. And that's like a really basic thing that running backs generally have that I don't see in his game. Um, Murchison uh, shoots gaps well. Um, He's going to have to develop a little bit of a better stance. Um, Same thing with his feet and leverage um, to to read. um, And also his ability to read the field isn't always that strong. So he's a guy that shows some athletic ability, um, but the technique and maybe the concepts are a little bit lacking in that regard. Last two picks, Cole McDonald, wide receiver from or quarterback from Hawaii. I saw him play. And Chris Jackson, a safety from Marshall. I did one of his games last couple of years. I thought Chris was pretty good, actually. 
Yeah, he is. You know, he's a he's a cornerback with some safety skills. He led Marshall in pass breakups. Um, in terms of he's their leader, their all-time leader in pass breakups. He's very intelligent on the whiteboard. He plays with aggression and physicality. He kind of has that NFL mindset in terms of what you're looking for on the field. Um, so, you know, there's a guy that I think can develop into a, at least a contributor. McDonald's a guy that a lot of people look at and think, and, and I'm one of them. I think that he could develop into a nice backup um, and then and be a guy that maybe you can put in the game and he can do some decent work for you. And if, and if everything else works out well, maybe you get a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of player who can be a journeyman starter and, and kind of that bridge player that you plug in or a Brian Hoyer type. He's a, he's a big athletic guy who can move the chains uh, a fair bit. And he's someone that has a big arm to be able to attack downfield. Some of his reads need to get better in terms of and decision-making in terms of the maturity of when to, to be aggressive and when not to be. Um, but the, but there's some flashes of skills there that it's just about being consistent. And if he can do that and be prepared, um, you know, I think that he'll get a, a feel for what's going on in the NFL and the speed of the game and the complexity of it and grow with it. Excellent, excellent stuff, Matt. I loved it. Already fired up about next week when we dive into the NFC West. We're getting down to the end of these things, but it's important, right? I mean, we spend so much time on the draft leading up to it. Like, this podcast all year is about the draft. Might as well break down every pick and at least give one comment on every pick. That's what we do right here on the College Draft Podcast. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.